Welcome to MTG Evolving Wild. Today, we are introducing ourselves. My name's Mark. I'm Cody. Yes. <laughs> Hi, my name is Ron. Ron and Cody are joining me here. So um, we're going to get started with some introductions to who we are and kind of our experience with Magic the Gathering and just how we've gotten into it in the first place. Um, so... I started playing very recently. Um, How I recently did you start playing, Mark? <laughs> Thank you, Cody. <laughs> or, or, or yeah, well, like, like, just tell us about um, how when you started playing, and generally uh, what your experiences with card games were like in general. Yeah. Um, so I started playing Magic, and I've heard about it for like my entire life, but I never really got into it, and I kind of regret that now. Um, but I started playing in really early 20, no, really late 2020. Um, I got into the game when one of my really good friends showed me the Ristic Studies video on, I think it was like the Guilds of Ravnica, um, set, like when that came out and, I, just, I didn't realize there was so much, like, depth to it. Like, so much, I guess, personality and so many choices to make um, with the color pie and, like, kind of what you wanted to play and all these different guilds, which is what I got introduced to first. I instantly, like, fell in love with Ravnica. And just from that point on, like, my first experience with Magic was really playing on mtg arena and learning how to play and i really vividly remember this one time when i just started playing i was going through like the tutorial on on arena and i like kept trying to do something and it's like no you failed that's not how you do the thing <laughs> and it made me keep doing the level over and over again and it's like why isn't this working because you don't have priority <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it, it wasn't even that complicated it was like here destroy this creature in some way and win like the setup of the tutorial and i was having trouble even doing that but i'm so glad like i had that to struggle with rather than like trying to learn it all on like a physical game board with like people mm -hmm. who were like, no, you're not doing it right. And I would have been like, but why? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it's uh, the, as much shit as I will give arena for just being bad sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, the tutorial is a great way to just like introduce someone oh into God. how yeah. to play magic. Yeah. So, um, also just before I get too deep into it, um, I, played a bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh before Magic. Like, that was my main card game, like, experience before anything else. I'd buy, like... Or when I was a kid, I'd get, like, little packs from Toys R Us and, like, just pull cards with a lot of stars on them and be like, this is the most powerful thing in the universe. And I had no idea how to play. I'd just, like, throw Windmill them on the slam. table. <laughs> yeah, windmill slam, like, an eight, nine-star thing and just be like, I, I have won because I have the thing. Um, and that was really fun. But, uh, after that, probably like when I was in high school, I learned how to play Yu-Gi-Oh! And then I had a whole like getting in and out of Yu-Gi-Oh! a few different times. Um, and that game definitely has its pros and cons, but, um... It certainly does now. <laughs> I ended up, uh, 
kind of, yeah, just getting into magic when my friend showed me that uh, Ravnica video and um, that and then getting onto arena. And then I think I really like I took a personality test that early on before I even like got a single product, got a single pack. And I was like, all right, very clearly my my personality just even going into it when I heard about the different colors um we like I was just like I know I'm mono red because I like playing fast I like playing impulsive I like making aggressive like just plays that do like crazy things really quick um I think you know in in um me and Ron used to play Yu-Gi-Oh a lot. And mm-hmm. in when we would play those games, it would be like, all right, I'm trying to get in and get the combo off as fast as possible. <laughs> and Ron's trying to stop me before it happens and be able to like, he was playing more of a control style and I was playing more of a uh, aggro style even from there. I played robot boxers. My yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, But like, so going into it, like I was really drawn to red. Um, and after watching that video, I was like, okay, I really like red, but I also want it to be paired with something else that I like because I really like the Guilds of Ravnica theme. So I was like, okay, I don't like Is It because it has blue in it and blue is my <laughs> mortal enemy. <laughs> like from the start, I was like, okay, blue is control. That's not what I want. Typical um, mono red. Literally. And then um, I... I thought Rakdos was a little bit too like, uh, I don't know, demon culty, a little bit too <laughs> like a little too crazy mono red, uh, or a little too crazy on like the aggressive spectrum. And then I thought Gruel was just kind of like stupid, like they're just like you know, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I don't know. These were all first impressions, but then I'm like, okay, what's left? And it's like Boros. I'm like, oh, okay. I really like this color combination and like the, you know, you get the aggressive little creatures, but you also get like kind of sword and shield vibe where you're like protecting yourself, but you're also like going in and dealing damage. For Um, sure. Yeah, dude. I mean, Boros is sick. Um, So speaking of kind of just Boros in general, as I kind of remember, what was the first kind of deck that you had assembled? Um, And really, like, which format was it? And what was your experience like with that? So technically, the first deck I ever built and the first deck I ever played. So the first deck I ever played would have been the MTG Arena um, whatever the pre-constructed standard decks were, um, when, mm. when I beat the tutorial. <laughs> um, but I, the first deck that I like built with cards on MTG arena was actually, uh, I was playing, I guess it was standard. It might've been whatever their longer term, uh, or longer lasting, was it historic? I think is the one that that is like an eternal arena format. Yeah. Um, So it might've been uh, historic. Actually, I was just playing like a random Boros, like aggro deck that I put together out of like cards, like 10th district legionnaire and like cards that were actually from the Ravnica setting. Um, I think I put uh, whichever two drop it is that has like, double strike trample and haste like 
Um, that one was a big one for me. And then just playing like little cantrips and stuff like that. And I think that actually really inspired kind of the next direction I went with, uh, my gameplay experience. So my first physical deck that I ever built was a commander deck, um, with feather the redeemed at the helm and, that is really what set the whole thing turning. The first product I ever bought was a Ravnica guild kit, and it was the Boros one, which didn't have Feather in it, but it had a lot of the other kind of, like, cool Boros pieces that I really liked and just, like, you know, instant sorceries. So I know Feather's kind of a flexible... Um commander if you will Mm -hmm. uh you know you can go a couple different directions with it uh which way did you go when you built feather the only (laughs) way we we know the only way i so i built and it was actually interesting because again i was like i want to get into commander but i wanted to get into it for like like i wanted to play boros but i wanted to play real boros like i wanted to play the faction itself Mm -hmm. and i'm like what are like popular Boros commanders? I didn't even know where to look. Eventually I stumbled on EDH rec and I found that feather at the time was the most popular Boros commander. It was, and I'm sorry, I haven't asked, answered your question yet, Cody. I will get to that. Um, it was, um, you know, one of the, yeah, top commanders in general at the time. And it was, it was, aggro like exactly what i wanted to be doing where i drop this little thing down and just like go to town like pumping it up and making it super strong commander and going in for commander damage and also happened to be like lore wise within the boros guild so it all fit for me it all clicked and that was my first commander and i'm like this is like this is bringing back such good memories but like <laughs> this is the this is the one that I'm I'm making. So from there, using the random Boros Guild kit, making a little list off of EDH Rec, and just like buying some singles, I think straight off of Amazon, honestly. I like put together, I know. And also um, of some trades from my uh, friend who got me into Magic initially, I was able to make this 100 card, uh, feather the redeemed deck which was not optimized at all there was so much about the game i still didn't understand when i first made it um i didn't even have like a full play group to play commander with when i made it i just was like this is awesome like i want to do everything with this and like you know find upgrades make cuts and over time I learned that removal was important. So even though I had swords to plowshares, I'm like, this card isn't good in my deck. Why do I need this? <laughs> and and I was just like, well, since it doesn't interact directly, I just will take it out and I'd rather have like a big strong pump spell to make a uh, feather even stronger creature. Getting to your question, Cody, um, there are a few ways to build feather. There's like a go wide kind of strategy. There's a, you know, very um, kind of commander focused strategy, which is like feather is the card and you just make that as big and strong as possible. I absolutely went that route. And in deck building, there was so much I like 
you know, even, even to the point that the deck is in now, there was so much that I'm like sacrificing just to make it like be a Voltron commander and make it so that there's combat tricks and card advantage and it all revolves around the commander. Card advantage in Boros? I know. Back <laughs> Blasphemy. Then, back then, before Mono White was getting good stuff too. And like, Mono Red, actually. Yeah, seriously, both got a lot of really good card draw things. But back when I started, which wasn't even that long ago, um, both of those colors in themselves were really struggling to get card advantage. And um, Feather was one of the only commanders that could do it because of... The mechanic where you just replay you can re- recast the spell over and over again on every turn re- recast a cantrip all every right turn, yeah. targeting one of your creatures in my case feather because feather was the only one i cared about um but that was where um i started with it i definitely you know, over time have made huge differences to, to where I was then. Um, but Voltron, sure. Voltron in that first, like just aggro commander deck idea, like, so Boros aggro Voltron <laughs> yeah. was, was how it started. That's how it all started. Dude. And yeah. how's it going now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, yeah, dude, that it has changed a lot. I mean, I still have my feather deck put together because honestly it's like mostly sentimental value. I sometimes take cards out of it if I want to build another deck and put that deck together. But um, there's so, so much I've learned about the game. And um, I think at, at heart, you know, I still have that aggro kind of strategy in mind where I'm always trying to win real fast or do the thing real good or just like get on board first and make things happen um and hopefully win the game I I love burn (laughs) I love uh I love combos and I think you know when I was building this deck I had one commander deck and one commander and I had focused all of the resources in that deck on making that one commander like super good and now I have like over 10 commander decks let's leave it at that (laughs) many I've taken apart over the years and many you know I've just put together over time and um a lot of them are some of them are still very commander focused but they're rather than being focused on the commander going in and doing the damage, it'll be like some form of like advantage card advantage or otherwise mana advantage. Um, and just I, low to the ground stuff. I, I really like playing early. Like I have so many turn to like two drop commanders. Like that's, that's one of my favorite things is when I can be, I'm the first one on board with my commander. Like that's almost a win in itself for me just cause like I'm here, I'm on board making the difference with the dude I wanted to have here. So that's, that's like a really good, uh, good feeling. 
Yeah, man. And uh, one thing that you kind of did mention is that you were really into the Bora sort of just color identity in general, and you just really kind of took off from there. And so I kind of wanted to ask you what really inspired you to kind of play the way you do. I know you mentioned uh, our mutual friend, uh, <laughs> Jacob, who I hope to have on the show one time. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, in, in general, like, like, like how much of your personality and tied to Boros do you think like really um, propelled you with the decks that you have now because you talked about feather a little bit mm -hmm. um, but what are some of the kind of decks you have now that really kind of encompass that sort of feeling well on the mono red side of things I'm just about I mean it's it's basically put together with proxies and stuff I've built a Bergy god of storytelling deck and that thing is insane it can win on turn one if you get the right draw very particularly like competitive edh <laughs> you know like very competitive deck and um i think that really has ep epitomized like my um just color identity in red like I, I love being fast. I love going burr, like, as <laughs> soon as possible, turn zero, turn one. Like, that deck feels like a CDH deck, but still a CDH deck that's very um, close to who I am. Feels like home. Yeah, like, feels like home. Yeah. yeah. I, I win before anyone else gets to play. Feels like home. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, and, and you know, even like when we had our, our pods starting out and like I was playing feather, that's kind of what would happen. Like I, I would have feather and it would be like, okay, I'm winning before other people could even get their strategies out. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like, how it's inspired me to play in general. I think um, there's, I, I always, there, there's some cases where it's like the commander is less important than the 99 cards in your deck. Mm -hmm. But uh, really what it, I think, I think what it's made me really focus on while I've just been in this game and while I've been playing commander specifically is really centering and focusing on the commander and being like okay like what does this commander want to do and how do i bring that out in the game um rather than strategies where it's like okay this is just a value piece that's easy to access right which is also like i mean some of my decks do end up being like that but it's kind of like it's inevitable in commander yeah yeah <laughs> But um, definitely, that's where it's influenced me. We've talked a lot about uh, the commander side of the game, mm -hmm. but have you found yourself playing any other formats since you've started? Yes. Um, I got into Popper a little bit because that's very affordable to get into, especially if you're building the right deck. Okay, and just for people who don't know, what is Popper? Popper is the format where you can only play with common cards. Um, I thought you were talking about the jalapeno kind. Well, those are really good, too. And there's there's a time and a place for those. 
maybe usually more so after than... you win <laughs> the popper tournament. <laughs> yeah, after you win the popper tournament. No, I, I eat them when I lose, all alone in bed. <laughs> hey, there's two times, okay? I think win or lose, jalapeno poppers have a place in our hearts. That's right. But... <laughs> This but. episode is brought to you by <laughs> Jalapeno Poppers. <laughs> I really want some Jalapeno Poppers. Dude, now. we got to get some after. Um, but yeah, like that format is, and we probably should explain what Commander is to people who aren't super familiar. Commander, I'll just say it real quick, is a format that um, you have 100 cards, including your Commander, your commander stays in a separate zone. You have access to it at all times. And every other card in the deck, besides basic lands, uh, you can only have one of. So whereas in other formats, it's you could have four copies of the same card in a deck, and it's a lot easier to have more... Um, uh, what's the word? Variance? Well, yeah, l- less variance in, oh. in the... For- in the formats where you can have four cards of each more consistency in those formats um in commander you're really uh forced to to find the consistency with so many other cards like you can only run one copy of this really good card so you need to find the second best version of that card um and all things considered i think that makes it somewhat of an easier format to get into rather than something that uh, you know, requires four ofs for each staple kind of thing. Um, yeah. There's pros and cons to it, of course, but overall, like... Yeah, and I'd say right now, you know, one of the biggest pros of it is that it's by far the most popular format yes. played in paper right yes. now. So if I don't know about where uh, you, the listener, is uh, living, but at where we live, we have a few game stores in mm-hmm. our general vicinity, and at each one, I don't know if you guys can speak to this experience, but I've always seen at least one commander pod like in the game store at once. Like no matter where in the valley mm-hmm. I'm going to, there is always like one group of dudes playing commander. In there. Yep. Yep. They're usually, I mean, definitely more at like, you know, events, but there's like, if you go into any, almost any store that sells magic, the gathering cards, like, that's not a Target or that's Walmart. That's not, okay, fair. <laughs> well, no, sure. you'll find people in the corners of Targets <laughs> no, and Walmart. But I mean, like, it'll be, like, I don't know, like, I'm free on a weekday at 2 p.m. for some reason, and I will go into a game store, and I will see, it's dead in there. There's literally just the guy running the shop, and there's a pod of Commander. Yep. It's like, if it's more popular, if it's a busier time, you're going to see, like, three, four tables. I've seen people play outside because there haven't been room at a a game store that we really like called Game Ogre. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's even, I mean, since, since I've started and this could be a result of just more people being more comfortable going out. Um, I've noticed like just the popularity continue to grow where like last week I, I went to a game store and got some games in and it just was like filled to the brim. Like, there were like 12 tables of full of people oh and it was it was what felt like maybe double the last time i was in there which might have been like 6 months ago 
feels like even longer. Might have been longer, yeah. yeah. It, it's crazy. I was going to get an oil change uh, like last week. Oh, and, yeah. And, and, and uh, I'm talking with the guy. He sees me looking at spoilers with a new set on my phone. He's like, oh, like you're looking at Magic the Gathering cards? I'm like, huh, oh, you play? And he shows me his mechanics gloves. He has the Phyrexian symbol etched in there. He that told me so he cool. just got into Magic the Gathering. He thinks it's super cool, and he's looking for recommendations to build his first commander deck. Mm. Uh, so I was talking, you know, uh, commanders, what's his play style like and everything. But it's really grown, you know, when I'm at work and I see there are like kids playing it too, you know. I think there's a lot of people our age, you know, 20s to 30s uh, who are really just kind of the majority of the player base. The but people with the disposable income. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the rest are kids with the really rich mommies and daddies. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's... It's definitely grown a lot, continued to grow, and um, it's really cool to see that. Um, yeah. And But, you know, there's also, and, and kind of the reason we wanted to start making this podcast is the game has been around for 30 years at this point, and there's so much of it that uh, I, I myself have not been involved in, and I'm so curious about what the game was like then, and... On top of that, like, just how it's changed, how it's grown, you know, like, there were probably, I don't know exact numbers, but a lot less people playing, like, a year before we, maybe a year before we started, two years before we started playing, and... For real. It just keeps, like, you know, growing, and it's it's really cool to see, but there's also, like, so much we've missed. Um but yeah, earlier we were talking about, um, I got a little bit into Popper. I'd gotten into Standard on um, MTG Arena just because that was accessible at the time. Um, and I I really enjoy those 60-card formats too. I think Commander is a great place to start um, because no matter what, you always have access to one card um, being the Commander. But, um, you know, playing something like Popper is also so great because you get um, kind of a taste of what more streamlined, competitive uh, format looks like without needing to drop hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And can I just say the amount of like mental bandwidth, if you will, that like a game of Commander takes versus like a 60 card format of magic mm-hmm. it's night and day on like how taxing it is like playing a game of commander versus like the 60 card game oh, seriously God. and it's just so nice to be able to like yeah. think and breathe a little bit yeah. instead of like it's, trying to process so much information it's mentally claustrophobic a little bit when it's like I mean, I've had games recently where it's like, not only am, am I having instant speed interactions on my board, but what I'm doing on my board at instant speed is now triggering something else on like two or three other players' boards. And now it's like, okay, every time I do this thing, four other things happen. Whereas, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. In some of those like 60 card formats, two players, um, Oh my god, like it's like in and out 15 minute game like all right, yeah. let's run a game of popper like I have a couple decks and we we can literally get kind of that taste of magic without having to um 
you know, like actually like get a group together, plan an evening out, you know, like set aside three, four hours yeah, so that we could get yeah. like at hopefully, least two games in. Hopefully more than one in, fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I love that aspect too about like um, formats like Popper, even Standard has like, you know, certain... I mean, yeah, I'd say Arena gives you the access to like at least try maybe part of or most of a standard deck. And with that, it's even more efficient because it's like, all right, you don't need to shuffle your library. You don't need to worry about like any of the manual things. It's like literally, okay, you can play the land. You can like, you know, just go to town and like play creatures or whatever right away. Um, but yeah, uh, so obviously mono red player uh, <laughs> i by far love that and love that strategy and uh i'm really excited to introduce uh some of these other guys yeah these, cody these ron players. who wants to go next uh i'll, I'll jump in all go right for go for it so oh. cody when did you start playing magic the gathering so my first exposure to Magic the Gathering, I had to have been maybe 10 or 11, and it's going to be really hard for me to remember uh, ex the exactness of it, mm -hmm. um, but I remember I was coming out of school, I saw a couple of my friends who were a little older than me um, playing like out in front, right. and I was just like enthralled by the art and yeah. everything. Um, and I remember like asking my dad to like, take me to go pick up some packs and stuff. And I wanted to build a deck. Um, at the time I remember thinking that I wanted to do like red green as like a forest fire theme. Um, not really understanding how like resources and yeah. like magic worked at, in general. Hey, they have red green forest yeah. fire cards. Yeah. He wants to play MLD. <laughs> <laughs> No, but um do you remember where like anything about like the first pack you bought or like the first pack that you got or where you bought it from or anything like that? So around the corner from my school, like maybe like a block away, mm -hmm. there was a um I want to say it was like a used game store slash like trading card store. Mm -hmm. Um and it, it, this is like really hard for me to kind of remember. Um but like, my first experience with trading cards was actually, like, Pokemon. Right. That was my brand... Uh, that was my introduction to that. Okay. So, like, I remember we had gotten some Pokemon cards over there. We checked it out. They had some magic stuff. Um, I remember my rare being some foil worm. That's... It was, like, a 6-6 six, six worm of okay. some kind. That's kind of cool. Could not tell you anything more about it. <laughs> I feel like with that information alone, I could probably, I mean, with some digging, I could probably figure out what your first like pack or your first set was. Probably. That's really cool. Uh, I remember I got in trouble at school because I was going to a small <laughs> uh, private Christian school at the time okay. for playing magic. They called it witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. There were, there were, I mean, I know there was a whole controversy in the 90s, I think, but there were some pretty, like, ooh, scary looking cards and, like, unholy strength and stuff like that. But, um, so, and I, I just never really had anyone to play with on, like, a regular basis. So right. I kind of just, like, fell by the wayside. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so um, you said you played uh, Pokemon or had experience with Pokemon cards. Did you play actually it? played it? Oh, you played Pokemon like did first okay. generation. Like oh wow, when it like first started, and you did that before uh, getting into Magic. Yeah, okay. that, that that was for sure before getting into Magic. Uh huh. Um, then like right as the anime made its way stateside with the English dubs and everything, I got into Yu Gi Oh. Okay. Um. I played that pretty competitively, uh, and I had, like, a really decent, like, group of people to play with. Like, there were, like, eight of us, I think, that would just, like, game hard. Okay, so you were playing with trading cards for a very long time. Very long Dude, time. Dude, yeah, it, it's crazy to think that you got to experience, like, a whole new generation of trading card gaming than Mark and I did, Yeah, you know? seriously. It's, it's really cool, because you got to experience, like... The original uh, Pokemon, a uh, pre-Commander, uh, Magic the Gathering, which is something I think we're going to discuss a lot in this show. Yeah. And so I, I think you really bring a really cool, unique perspective for us. Thank you. Um, also, you're hot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Viewers, take his word for it. <laughs> um, take my word for it. <laughs> but yeah, like... And then Yu-Gi-Oh kind of fell by the wayside. Um, I like the, the whole group that I was playing with kind of like dropped off. Like everyone was moving away and stuff like I that. Um, and then, gosh, I'm gonna struggle to remember what year it was. I want to say it was maybe like 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, I was walking through Target, um, saw one of like the magic packs. And (laughs) I had a roommate living with me at the time that was into magic and like we had talked about it a little bit and I went, you know what? Let me check this out again. And I picked up the, is it versus Golgari, um, like starter deck. Like the, yeah. Um, I picked up the, is it deck? So that was when, like, was it like literally, is it like the guild? The guild. Um, yes. Oh, okay. So that would have been probably around, like, the um, Return to Ravnica block. I'm guessing it was about 2013. Yeah, that would have been, that would make sense, because that came out, I think, 2012-ish, 2012 to 2013, something like that. Somewhere in that, yeah. So, yeah, that that checks out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking at it right now, yeah. Uh, It was 2012, yeah. 2012. Yeah, the Izzet versus versus Golgari dual decks. Uh, Yeah, it looks like, uh, I don't know if it was a, were were those commander decks? No. No, 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 no. no, no. Okay, cool. Those were just like. That was a 60-card deck. I just see two legendaries on the front and so my commander trained brain has to assume now <laughs> um yeah and i i started there didn't really like how the deck played okay either one uh no i only had the is it one oh you gave the other one to your friend no it, it, like oh. it, it, i didn't get both of them I, I it like they sold it separately at target oh what i thought they wow. sold them together no it was really weird okay that is kind of yeah, weird it, it looks like it's kind of this sort of blister pack uh it's a weird looking thing was oh. this it? no that wasn't the deck wait oh my gosh maybe i have it wrong we'll we'll have to look it up and figure out what it was later but yeah. um okay so you played that you had the is it side of it the yeah. red blue side of it yes it was an is it deck um and i didn't like how it played Mm-hmm. Um, and in a couple of my polls, I had some really cool, like Orzov cards, um, 
And I kind of just like went into that direction, playing okay. some kitchen table um, Orzov. Nice. I was playing like a life gain um, strategy, and my main win conditions were like uh, casting a card, uh, debt to the deathless, to like oh, drain yeah, the table. I know that one. And I mean, we played some jank kitchen table games. <laughs> like we, we we jammed like three, four people in if we could. Oh my god! Playing twenty life deck. Uh, like, I mean, I must have had like eighty card decks in some of the yeah. um, decks that I built for myself. Oh, there is wow. a part of me that really wishes like I could experience that before being as into the game as I am now. Like where it's like, okay. I don't know anything about this. Like I have a bunch of these cards that are this color and this land produces that. So let me shuffle them up Just and see smash what them happens. together and see what happens. Yeah. But, but that's really cool that you got to kind of experience that aspect of magic, the gathering too, where it's just like, you know, sitting around random group, random format, you know, random number of cards in each deck and, and try something. Yeah, I played a lot of tribal at the time. Um, that Orzov deck ended up like getting changed into like a angel and vampire theme. Right. I remember you showing me that one too. Um, I built like a big Timmy green deck. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, boy. Uh, built a fairy deck in mm. uh, blue black, which mm. like honestly was my favorite deck and <laughs> the defining deck yeah and, and i'm sure it will come as no surprise to you <laughs> that it was <laughs> so um recently how have you you've gotten back into magic probably yes you got me back into magic um <laughs> Honestly, I can track it back to whenever Modern Horizons 2 came out. I think that was mid-2021. I think it was like April 21 of some, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it was like I got into Magic probably f like building it in February and then found out that you had a past with it. And then I'm like, Cody, come back to <laughs> us. Like, <laughs> return. Yep. Um, and you guys convinced me to play Commander, and yep. I built my first what Commander was, deck. What was your first Commander deck? First Commander deck was Squirrel Tribal. Uh, I built it with um, a card, Chatterfang Squirrel General. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. Um, it was black-green. Um, a lot of fun, <laughs> yeah. honestly. A lot of fun, <laughs> I but I remember now looking at it and thinking, like, that's such... That that's not like a lot of decks you built today or or over time. And how would you say your uh, your deck building style has changed since since Chatterfang since you built your first one? Oh, I've really refined what I like to do in the game, mm -hmm. and kind of learned how to just like do that despite whatever color I'm in for the most part. But I've also noticed that I play a lot of the same two colors, mm -hmm. which are blue and black, which just happen to be my favorites. Yes, <laughs> yes. Cody is a Demir mage. Um, very much on kind of the control kind of side of things. I don't necessarily have to be control, but I like to sling some spells. <laughs> I like to you know, play on everyone else's turn. It just seems like it's the smarter way to go. Mm -hmm. And aside from Commander, obviously, and uh, just kitchen table fun stuff or, or 
random kind of formats like that. Have you ever played any other uh, formats? Um, I've never like had an ex- to, a chance to experience, you know, like a constructed standard or a, you know legacy or any of that. And knowing what I know now about all of those formats, I have neither had the budget to do a lot of those <laughs> ones either. Yeah. Most of us don't. Hopefully, I know this is something we've talked about, but um, maybe in our pursuit of looking back at the past or kind of understanding more about the game, we can uh, proxy some decks up even and, and just see about running some standard games and see what we take away from that. Heck yeah. It'd be a lot, a lot of fun. I definitely agree. Um, so, and then, uh, you, so you've mainly been a Demir mage. I've, there's been, there's been other, other things you've... I've played other stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I played Simic Merfolk, um, Mono Green, Big Stompy Creatures, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> get, a, get to turn your brain off and... Yes, it is. <laughs> just punch someone in the face. <laughs> um... And over time, I'm assuming, like, you, you've just been playing the game a lot more than probably any other time in your life. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. This yeah. is by far the most I've ever played yeah. the game with the most consistency. Definitely. Like, yeah, it, it, this has been a great experience. <laughs> it honestly, ha- it's, it's such a huge world, and I, I love looking into it, and I love experiencing it with you guys. It's it's awesome. Hell, yeah. It's, it's a great time, and you know what, Pete? peak magic plus a disposable income that's like the perfect combination all we need is more free time (laughs) yep balancing that out somehow um so that's cody for everyone i Uh, I think we're done now right (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, let's wrap it up there's no one else who's important no one i can think of uh (laughs) i think we should wrap up the episode here and now uh, (laughs) yeah it's been a wonderful uh uh, having you guys Uh, (laughs) all right mr ron howdy uh, how and when did you start playing Magic the Gathering? Uh, so, uh, funny enough, I think for me, it was probably, um, when, when, where did you get into it again? Because, uh, one thing I do want to preface, uh, Mark and I's entry into, uh, this game has been pretty hand to hand. He got me into it again. Uh, I'll explain a little bit more about that before I go ahead of myself, but, um, we have experience with. Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, we do. Uh, you know, th- this, I, we, it was like Saito and Yugi, you know. It, yeah, did I get Seto. Those right? Seto, Seto Kaiba. Yeah, I'm thinking of Saito. <laughs> it's funny because I messed up uh, his name earlier today. You're thinking of Kaito. Kaito, yes. So I, you messed up his name. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Too many uh, names. But, but anyways, yeah. we were like uh, adversaries, you know, friendly yeah. rivals. We would always pit each other's decks against each other and it was always a great time seto and yugi were friendly rivals Uh, (laughs) at a time there was i mean there were definitely times me and ron would get pretty salty at each other salt is uh we i'm no stranger to the salt um (laughs) and i know there was a point of time really like there there was definitely time where i like found a different group in high school to kind of get deeper into that whole Yu-Gi-Oh scene mm-hmm. but um there was a pretty big portion of time where it was like ron played Yu-Gi-Oh i played Yu-Gi-Oh when we played Yu-Gi-Oh it was him and me and that's mm-hmm. kind of how it was we didn't really have like a play group to like see how other people played or oh. like a general like 
you know, even sample size. Like it, most of the time it was like me versus Ron doing whichever strategies we kind of liked. For real, yeah. And uh, I, you know, kind of going back, I remember our first decks too. Like mm-hmm. whereas you had your, uh, what was it, the Red Eyes Black Dragon. That was like your main That one, was the first one I built. And I also had heroes. a Heroes one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Heroes. That and was great. That- <laughs> <laughs> Love that deck. Love that It was deck. strong. It was great. Uh, my deck was first um, the... The Battle Boxer Bots. It was like some budget, kind of underdog sort of deck that honestly in the meta of everything with like what was competitive, it probably wasn't that great. But I remember I was able to really surprise people with that deck and it had a trap counter spell. Oh, and jolt counter, jolt counter. Oh my God. I forgot about that. was like the ultimate no you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that kind of established me as a bit of a sort of value sort you, of. You had that that edge of like control, but I remember um, in playing against that deck, there was a lot of like surprises. There was mm-hmm. a lot of like countery type things, but mm-hmm. there was also a lot of like really aggressive, like big creatures to go in and yeah. um, and hit with. Very mid range, back and forth sort of. Um, that, that that's like the general style. Yeah. But um, so back to the main yes. question: When Thank did you. you start playing Magic: The Gathering specifically? So I suppose since uh, it was 2020 when you got into it. Uh, I got into it late 2020, so it would have been September of 2020, I think, or maybe November 2020 when Zendikar Rising. And then physic like in paper got into it like February twenty one. Yeah, so I think for me it was probably a couple of months after that. So um, probably around then. Um, I, I don't honestly remember the exact date, but Next I will say probably would have been about April. He, I think I remember you got into it. Well, one of the reasons I was trying to convince you to get into it is because. You are very much into Dungeons and Dragons, and oh, hell yeah. I think we 100%. all are. Um, but but Ron to to another extent, like he's been playing for many many years longer than we have. Right, many I've, moons. I've many uh, moons I've have passed since since Ron <laughs> many moons. started. Yes, I've uh, DM'd since high school. I was dragged into it uh, by a few friends who I never would have suspected played D anD D and had a great time and got uh, you know carried away with it ever since. Right, but um. <laughs> So in terms of that, like I, I convinced you, or I remember I was really trying to convince you when I was like still with that feather deck and basically had one other person to play with. I was like, Ron, you should get into Magic the Gathering because they're going to have a Dungeons and Dragons Magic the Gathering set. That's right. And uh, kind of going back to when I got into it, you know, initially we had the same contact person. Uh, my friend uh, Jacob, he's my neighbor as well. I've been friends with him for a bit. Uh, we got to introduce Mark into the gang and, you know, um, he got us both into it and he was telling me about it earlier. And while I did really appreciate the color system as a D&D player, you know, kind of being able to express your personality through a means it almost felt like an alignment system, right? but with so much more exponential like character and there's yes. so much more nuance. It's not yes. just you're good, you're evil. I mean, you're if you're Demir, you're evil, but like I'm sorry, it just it's just mechanically <laughs> true. No, it's, but it's well, like... I was going to say but like, you know, the alignment system in D&D is, you know, 3 by 3 yeah. You know, the alignment system in magic has 
32 possible choices. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every exactly. way you can possibly combine five different colors. Plus, if you're considering colorless as another one. You have to. Yes. <laughs> so, I don't know what the exact number is. Probably 32. 32? Okay. But, yeah. So, to kind of go back to the question, I got started probably actually a few months before you because uh, Jacob's pod was playing a game of Commander, mm -hmm. and I knew most of those guys. They were all pretty cool. Right. And they convinced me to join in playing the strongest deck they had so that they could kind of let me pub stomp in a way. Oh. Okay. And kind of teach me the game through that, and let and showing me exactly how I would sort of win this right. game. Right. Letting you letting you win the first one so that you would keep kind of pretty, coming back. Pretty much. Right. And it, and it would, honestly, I would have been very clueless without them because this was yeah. a five color uh, scarecrow oh. deck that yeah just kind of abused permanence, and I very quickly appreciated uh, what I really liked. I, I guess I'm a bit of a Johnny player because. I really liked the fact that, like, whoa, you can play these this big scarecrow that cares about you playing other scarecrows. And so when you play these other honestly useless scarecrows, you can just go ahead and get this really big synergy. And and synergy is always something that I was looking for. And yeah. then we played another game after that. Um, Jacob let me play his Rakdos deck. Oh, that's a fun one. That was a lot of fun. And I was realizing all the synergies in my head. And I was like, whoa. It so goes this deep. big guy can make your spells cost less from how much damage you deal. And this guy in my hand yep. can go ahead and deal some damage to this player, making it cheaper. And it yeah. got all my gears sort of grinding. Right. And really, me, that's what I got ask, into it. When you um, played that first game with like the five color deck, was it like a bit overwhelming? Like one hundred percent. I I, under, I was able to understand the color fixing kind of soon, and I think I was almost grateful to have a five color deck because it yeah. really allowed me to sort of. Uh, okay, like while I didn't get much of any color's identity or any feel, I got uh, the, an understanding of the basics of color fixing. Right, that's a really good place to a principle to start early on. But yeah, um, I think that's uh, that's really cool that you you kind of had that kind of. It's good that you had people there guiding you, but that would have been a very overwhelming experience, I think, for anyone starting. It would have. And the interesting thing is, I didn't get into Commander that night. I thought it was awesome. I did have a great time. But I remembered the experiences we had in Yu-Gi-Oh! And eventually we fell out of the game. And I didn't like spending tons of money on uh, cardboard of course. that would eventually, you know, get outdated and become cheap. Like what my collection of Yu-Gi-Oh! cards did. Right. I later discovered Magic is a bit better. And especially because of formats like Commander that can keep all your old cards relevant. Uh, but, you know... Um, I really only ended up getting into it once Mark kind of dragged me into it yes, as well. <laughs> yes, once I had uh, dragged both of you guys into it. No, but um, so when I had convinced you to kind of get into it, um, I know you had like a lot of thoughts about um, how you wanted to interact with the game, like budget-wise and also um, deck wise and and where you would fit into the whole thing and um when you built your first commander deck what was that process like where did you start oh with that it, it was a funny process because i had very little understanding of the game because i basically had my hand held through me for my only experience and and basically when mark convinced me to play 
we didn't do the logical thing of like, yeah, let's just go ahead and play uh, one of two of my decks against each other. I don't think you had. I, two I decks. had. I mean, yeah, I had. Yeah. I know Jacob had a couple decks, right? And I had literally the one deck that I was like, "This is the best thing ever." Yeah, this is the best deck. Yeah. Oh my god, that was such a buggy man back in the day. <laughs> oh but, my god, um, I know. But anyways. <laughs> Like, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I had a bit of a identity struggle because I really compared what I played in Yu-Gi-Oh to Magic the Gathering. And while there were certain things, um, you know, I guess like uh, Battle and Boxers could be some kind of like tribal a reanimator type of deal. I don't know. It, it's weird. And I didn't find anything that fit the bill. And Light Swarms is something that has a mechanic that is basically playing from exile and stuff which is weird and mm. limited so i had to kind of work from scratch right and so what i remembered thinking when i was playing uh my first game of magic i was like whoa because you can have this one creature all the time in the command zone kind of like a special deck like a, what was it is it called a special deck yeah, in Yu-Gi-Oh? i think yeah it's kind of the comparison is like you get a one card special deck of the yeah, yeah. And, and i was like okay and that's awesome and so i'm like wait a minute and then there's also this thing called commander dance it can kill anyone no matter what circumstance if they get 21 damage from yep. it i was like uh, i was like that sounds super cool to me it sounded like a foolproof plan i have a big indestructible uninteractable creature and nobody can do anything about it and i just slap you and you're dead you know like, like <laughs> and then and then i look over to the next person and the next person um but also i guess i was looking at it at more of a 1v1 because i was totally right. new to any sort of multiplayer yeah. card game i mean i was I had experience with D and D, so sort of rule zero and everything felt pretty natural for me. One thing that's kind of interesting that I wanted to say is when you, uh, so I had built my feather deck, which ultimately became like a commander damage win con, right. like what's typically known as like a Voltron strategy. Mm-hmm. And I remember just like, you were the one who told me that commander damage existed like I had played yeah. with a few games with our our other like mutual friend Jake, mm-hmm. separate from Jacob, and um, we were like playing games back and forth, and like it was one v one. So of course my Voltron strategy was like even better than it would be in a four pod. Right. But um, like I remember you told me that commander damage was a thing, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like how is that real? And then I had to look it up on my phone and I found that it was like, no, this is legit. And then I was really scared because you were building like such a, (laughs) I didn't even realize at the time that you told me that almost like I realized I was more scared of your commander than the Mm. advantages that I get from commander damage being a rule as a feather deck. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. We had an, a total arms race at the beginning. I think Um, there was a bit of one, but eventually we settled on a power level. Just curious. What, like, what happened when you guys found out that Infect only needs 10? <laughs> I honestly, uh, we'll probably get into my color identities later, but I was always like, like black icky. I don't know. That's cheating. Like, like uh, I don't know. I think Infect, I, I, well, at one point I built a whole deck around it, but um, that was not so much as a result of me actively wanting to play an Infect deck as it was me trying to build synergy around it. I think when I found out about Infect, I was like, this is a neat strategy, but like I, I think I was just more surprised by commander damage because, you know, infect is like a whole separate rule 
set almost that's explained on the card whereas commander damage is like um you just have to know you just have to know right so i think infect yeah. surprised me a little less than commander damage did yeah i honestly didn't find out about infect until way later and at that point i was just so like, too engrossed. what was your first commander I had two first commanders. I built two pretty much at the same time uh, because I was really enthralled with two separate deck ideas, and I wanted to have two separate decks because I wanted to have a differentiating game. What were your first two commanders? My first two commanders were, as many could have probably assumed, Ural the Miststalker, mm -hmm. and then I built Arcades the Strategist. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked Arcades the Strategist as well because I, I really liked having a big sort of protective deck. Um, my idea of, of playing with Yu-Gi-Oh! is, you know, half the cards in Yu-Gi-Oh! are like, opponent can't do this, you know? And, and that's just sort of how the game sort of rocked back and forth. It's like, all right, well, I play this. No, I may, I say, you can't do this. And I say, oh, yeah, well, I say, you can't do the thing that's making me stopping do the thing that I do. And, um so I just wanted to play something that could protect itself and something that felt very versatile. But also I thought that idea of going in and big and swinging big with a big buff dude was great. Um, I, and honestly, I just built both because also Arcades was a really budget deck, mm -hmm. especially at the time, even now it is, but at the time it was like, it was like what, like fifty to eighty bucks to build okay. that deck? No, I would I, imagine, yeah. And I that remember, was at the time, and yeah. um, you know, Ural was a bit more expensive because Ural at, at the time was like a fifteen dollar card himself, and Mark was a homeboy. He split half of that with me. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, I like, have I don't to buy him a fifteen dollar card, but I want him to get into the game. I and that was so I, that was awesome. Man. I was like, <laughs> I need to get Ron into this game because of how much fun I am having with it, like. And I know at this point, I think I made the right thing in trying to get you into it because we both have, take so I'm a much. Stacks player now? Are you sure? <laughs> we take enjoyment from it in different ways, but I, we both get enjoyment from stacks. from uh. the game. But yeah, so um, you started with those kind of decks, and then um, I kind of have two questions moving from that. Was there sure. one that you preferred to the other as time went on, and also? Like just over time, how how has your play style or, or your play experience maybe changed since when you started and built those? Sure. So I mean, uh, to put it this way, I I was really torn. I had both these decks for a while, but now I still have my Arcades deck and I broke apart my Ural deck. Eventually, I realized. Uh, well, it turns out if you only have one really big gun, if someone manages to take that away from you somehow, even though you're trying to put up all these resources to defend it, you're out of the game. Yeah. And another thing that I experienced is uh, Voltron wasn't a very fun strategy for me because in one v one, sure, if you're able to kill the opponent, you kill the opponent, anything, and then you start you a new game. Precisely. In Commander, you're playing with three opponents. You take one of them out turns four or five when people are normally winning turns eight through ten. Um, and they're going to feel cheated of their uh, game. And likewise, I also felt like it was a dilemma because someone was doomed to not have a good time with Voltron. It's either like... I get someone else out and then they're out of the game super early and everyone gangs up on me mm -hmm. and then that's it. Or it's like, I just go like I attempt to do that and then I get ganged up on yeah. because nobody wants to deal with that. 
I think, uh, so you clearly had a preference over time leaning towards the arcades, kind of more of a value style rather than the Euro. That, that's right. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. The walls were cool because I like the flavor of defense. Of course. But the thing that I kind of have is I really like uh, seeing big numbers. Uh, yeah. My favorite thing in the Euro was just moving that 20-sided die up, up, up until eventually I had to grab another yep. one. And yep. I was like, all right, if he swings, mm. someone's dead. More and than I enough commander damage. Yeah. But um, despite all the pitfalls of that, Arcades was great because it was just so much advantage and it really felt a bit like my Light Sworns deck because that flavor-wise, the whole deck was about getting a massive dragon by getting a whole bunch of resources and you would just pay a bit of life, do a one-sided board wipe and you could just repeatedly do that with this one boss creature and while I couldn't exactly do that or maybe I could have with a certain commander, um, this deck was really resilient to board wipes Mm -hmm. and it also included one-sided board wipes and it was a dragon. And I'm like, that's awesome. But the part that really defined how I play was when I broke apart Ural, I had to think about what I wanted to do with all those cards. And when I realized uh, another part that I really liked about Ural was all the enchantment synergies, Mm -hmm. all of those kind of, this card lets you do this card and that card. And eventually I'm like, you know, what's one card in the deck I always loved drawing and I remembered if I drew it, it's almost always the difference between me winning and losing. It was Sithis Harvest Hand Mm -hmm. because she was an enchantment enchantress that would just basically get the whole engine turning. And I thought, okay, what if I build this deck without the big clunky dude who can get removed and I just build the deck around this value? And that's kind of defined the decks I've played since, you know, I'm a big prosper fan. I I have like over, uh, I have almost a dozen decks. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm not going to go into all of them now. I think, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of based on your first experiences and even which deck you preferred at the beginning. And furthermore, what you ended up doing with the more, um, aggressive Voltron strategy, um, it, it does seem that you are gravitated more toward the value and the card draw and setting up a board full of things that will give you more advantage rather than putting all of your eggs in one basket, kind of. Exactly, and I learned that in those three-player games that you, me, and Jake would play because, really, uh, it came down to when it was all Voltron decks and stuff. Yeah. uh, Someone's going to take out the other person, and you need to have more resources than them, and if you do, it's basically a win. Right. And I learned that, and I went a lot of games by just outvaluing everybody with arcades when we played those three player games i I definitely think like early on there was a bit of an arms race i think there was like you know you wanting to be able to last uh with your uh euro deck long enough to be able to get the win from feather and feather wanting to just keep trying to speed up faster and faster (laughs) and like how how fast can feather get the win before Ural's even on the board kind of thing right um but i think those those three player games were also very good for us because if we were playing two player commander and we were both using voltron strategies we would have never learned like okay like this strategy is not always the best for playing with a, in a multiplayer group whereas 
you know, because we had Jake there also, it was like either I would take you out, you would take me out, and then Jake would take whoever's left yeah, out. Like and Jake had his be, crazy landfall be, shenanigans. Yeah, like we'd be like resources down, tapped out, creature no blockers up, and then like Jake would just be like, okay, scoot swarm for a million. <laughs> and like it'd be like, oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, while Voltron strategies are still uh, very viable under certain conditions, sure. it's like they have as many drawbacks as they do um, an initial like uh, upside. Yeah. Um, So I'd say like kind of moving from where you started to where you are now, you've kind of changed from, you still care about the big numbers, but it's important for you to have other things going on, more card advantage, more, um, mana ramping like getting more lands on the field yeah I've rather always, than just i mean big numbers are always fun but doing more with the big numbers either wide or tall exactly yeah i've always kind of appreciated having very flexible deck play styles things that can do a little bit of everything and i guess i specifically have this gear towards commander because these are games that are going longer and i realized you can play these kinds of crazy things that you wouldn't be able to in much faster formats right and i really wanted to take advantage of that so um speaking of which have you had any opportunities to play any other formats aside from Commander? Because I know mm-hmm. even you getting started, whereas Cody had the opportunity to play um, just kitchen table random stuff and other stuff like that, you um, basically started with Commander, and then when I got mm-hmm. you back into it, it was Commander again. Pretty, I basically only played Commander for the longest time, um, but eventually... Mark kind of convinced me to build a pop <laughs> as <deck>. I do. <laughs> um, I, and, and, and it's funny, you know, kind of going with the very flexible mid range sort of play style. I like, I chose mono blue fairies. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, uh, now I have not played a game of popper <laughs> with Mark in a very long time. I, I still have my <laughs> popper decks. I've been, I've been thinking about maybe updating two of them into one better deck or something like that but we can definitely get some games of that in soon i think that really fills the niche of like uh, a format that uh again quicker games faster kind of play and you Mm -hmm. you can more easily just play it with two people rather than um needing the whole pod and a whole evening set aside um yeah so i think that's kind of us introduced kind of who we are um yeah, what what we like what we all, we... we all kind of have like uh different representations on the color wheel too i feel you yeah know? yeah i'm definitely by far um red is like my most defining color we talked about a uh a magic the gathering personality test that we all did to yes, um we did to kind of figure out what we identify as and i think we perfectly completed the five color wheel in a right? sense yeah like so with my with my test like after taking this personality test i'm like 30% red and then like <laughs> the next highest is like black which also makes a lot of sense if you know mm-hmm. my decks and that's at like 20% 19% pretty much and then everything other than that like green is 18% white is 17 blue is 14 i love red like as as just like a personality and identifying with it and all of the emotional implications that comes with that i very much identify with red uh 
Yeah, I've had to take this a couple of times just due to some technical errors. Um, I've gotten it anywhere from like a, a almost perfect 50-50 split between uh, blue and black at like 25% each. Um, this last one I did, I'm like 33% blue, 27% uh, black. <laughs> Makes sense. But uh, yeah, it just, you know, regardless, every time I take it, I get blue, black, demir <laughs> as my personality type, you know. And it just totally makes sense with how I like to play the game. You know, I like to sit back, control the board a little bit. Yeah. You know, use all of the resources available to me, including my own uh, life. Definitely. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. Yeah. I'm definitely a Selesnia player at heart. Um, so green and white. Yes, sir. Green and white. It's funny. I, uh, when I first took the test, I got blue, green, white, and I always identified with band because I'm always like a paladin type player and I thought it fit. I take it again uh, a couple months later after I'm a bit more enfranchised. I get Naya and I'm like, okay, I think I'm maybe just uh, preferring a bit of chaos. And now I've kind of centered back and I feel like, yeah, that's the one thing they've had in common. And I the feel green like and I've, the white. I've struggled with my identity in Magic the Gathering for a little bit. Uh -huh. So I feel like Celestia does feel right. You know, at the very least, it's the average. Of the yeah, two. I think <laughs> of the, the home base. Because the I, home I did base. take the most recent time I did take it. I, I do have an interesting split. I, I have 24.6% green and 24.5% white. <gasps> Yeah, wow. it's, it's that's pretty that's that's, a, pretty, that's pretty Selesnia. And then uh in third uh is red at nineteen point three and everything else is below fifteen. Yeah. Um I think to an extent we each identify with those colors to an extent. Not like Cody is really evil in real life, but like <laughs> <laughs> Cody likes to be a little trickster sometimes and uh a little evil. And yeah, and like I feel like you kind of identify with that whole like uh, kind of paladin or like kind of greater good kind of mentality sometimes. And yeah, for sure. I think we really round out the color wheel in that way. Um, I think I also wanted to just talk a little about like, so we've kind of introduced ourselves. Um, I want to talk about like what we want to do here with this podcast with like why we've gotten together to do this and I mentioned earlier that uh you know as much fun as we've had in this game since uh we started playing in 2021 like there is like so much that we have not been a part of we've uh, just haven't had a chance to experience certain standard formats when certain um, cards that define everything about Magic the Gathering came out. Like, um, honestly, like, I, I was looking back at it today and, like, I, I was born, like, around, like, the Urza's Saga block, which, and, and even considering that, there was still, like, you know, five or six years of magic even before that. And um, there, there's just so much history out there that um, I know all of us have really been interested in, in diving into and, and really seeing what about that has changed and, and maybe how that relates to 
what we think about the game as as newer players and kind of that versus what um what the game is like for someone who's been around since maybe alpha came out or or who started like playing around then and and i'd i'd say like you know there's a lot to dig into and a lot of questions to ask um and moving forward we really want to get that information ask those questions um you know some of the ideas that we have moving forward are really like um interviewing people who have been in the game for much longer than we have or um maybe trying new experiences with um the formats or just digging up old information that um might surprise us a little bit you know i think moving forward that's really where we want to go with this and uh taking it to that level of uh understanding as best as we can with the experience that we have of course yeah i mean and you know i'm sure a lot of other people while we all might have different stories and times of how we got into the game uh a lot of people have really got into commander around this time and really magic the gathering has changed a lot over the past few years since the time mark and i got into it and cody got into it uh with us you know we've pretty much been a commander exclusive pod and so i'm sure a lot of people can relate and so really Really, um, we want to explore all the other parts of Magic and what Magic has to offer because it's a great game and Magic and Commander is a wonderful format. But I think that there's just so much more to it and a whole world that we haven't even seen yet. And the interesting thing about Commander is like, it, technically, it's not how the game was intended to be played at first, you know. Of course, and yeah. and there's this whole kind of like development that that was very that came from the community to now make it so that this way of playing and interacting with this game engine really has um has made it so that it's like the mainstream way to play like this is the most popular way to play but um it's a brilliant game really there's so much to it and so much to the game engine itself that like there are even you know, formats that I'm hearing about like recently that are like completely unlike anything I've heard of before and just incredible. Oh, of course. Um, if I might interject, sorry, I just want to throw it out there. Like I'm, I'm trying to build a couple of really interesting themed cubes right now too, that are totally based off of different IPs, but also a really different way to play the game, like uh, Dungeons and Dragons themed RPG deck builder type that I'm working on, and like 10 card decks that shuffle back into your library after hitting the graveyard, uh, Street Fighter 1v1 decks. Oh, just like trying to build your own, for- that's, yes, that is very cool, and Magic lends itself uh, as it's designed to to do something like that. Yeah. Was there something you wanted to say, Cody? Oh, I we, we we've kind of moved past uh, the, the we point. We can it, rewind. It, 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 <laughs> well, I was just gonna kind of say, you know, like Commander is really it's kind of a broken format. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Yep. When you really think about it, and it's really only held together by the people who want to play it and make it work. Yes. <laughs> You know, but without that, like, it's kind of really broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> soul ring it's, broke it. It's, it's yeah, the soul point. ring's the problem. <laughs> it's, it's like a, a 
kind of like a agreed upon mental construction that like, you know, if you play commander to its most broken extent, you get something like competitive commander, which is like a whole different format than regular commander. Um, and, and that's a great format in itself, but, um, there's like, uh, a big difference between that and like, you know, shuffling together like your old collection or buying a pre-con from the store and just opening it up and playing. And, um, magic really allows for both of those. And, and yeah, but like you were saying, commander is really a broken format without, um, people agreeing on like what they're playing right like or just agreeing to make it work (laughs) yeah agreeing to make it work somehow because it it is it is crazy but so much fun like the the Mm -hmm. types of things you can do in that format are are so fun it's like the same appeal as like D &D, you know i mean in D &D, you have a rule zero conversation all the same yeah really so that's why i was able to translate uh my passion for that into magic the gathering yeah yeah it's 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 totally different and that's why you know now that i'm familiar with it i'm so excited to explore all the different ways and you know popper was a little taste of it and yeah i'm excited Um, for what the future has in store absolutely we have a lot of ideas in store for the future um hopefully a few interviews lined up as well as uh, some ideas we may or may not have mentioned. Uh, you'll have to stick around and see what we end up doing next. But uh, I think that's all we have for this first episode. Um, I hope you like us. <laughs> or not. It doesn't not. really matter. You've maybe already you listened like, to us at this point. <laughs> maybe you like one of us the most. And tell us why it's me. Um, <laughs> you will be no. blocked from whatever chat. No, um, we're, we're getting, um, we should have, uh, socials, email, all of that stuff, uh, in the descriptions below, whatever we post this on. So if you have any questions for us that you want to ask, or, um, just want to reach out to us and tell us that you liked what you listened to, or maybe something we can improve on. Um, we'd love to hear from you there. Um, and yeah, hopefully you enjoyed listening. I think that's all we have for today. So we will uh, catch you next time. Next time. (laughs) Peace. Thank you for tuning in. Bye, bye, bye.